You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 487. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with the Prime Video series, The Peripheral. And, you know, we're, we're five-eighths of the way through. Um, you know, we'll talk about this one. I mean, I like this episode, but I'm not sure how far ahead the story got pushed. Mm, okay. I think I might disagree with that a little bit, but that's all right. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, you know, one thing I want to point out now, by the time you guys are listening to this uh, on Friday morning, the long-awaited series from the creative minds behind Dark, Yante Frisia and Baron Bo Odar, will have dropped on Netflix November 17th. And, of course, we're talking about 1899 that follows a group of passengers on a mysterious ocean-crossing journey. And that's pretty much all I know about it, which yeah. is cool at this point. But... Um, you know, we are going to trust the showrunners in this one. Exactly. We are going to cover this one when we're finished with the peripheral, but dude, I know we're all looking forward to this. So, yeah. um, and can you imagine being Yante Frisia and Baron Bo Dar with the expectations that are out there yeah. after dark expectations are definitely pretty high. And since dark ended, you know, you can't, Almost any, you know, best, you know, streaming sci-fi show comes up anywhere, especially Netflix. It's right there at the top, you know. So um, I think the buzz on on this has only gotten stronger and stronger. And, uh, you know, I, I, I when you have a challenge in front of you, one of two things happens, right, Dave? And yep. I'm, yep. I'm sure that they're... Uh, that they will rise to the challenge and we'll, we'll see a good product. So. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Um, yeah. All right. So in terms of what we're watching, I, I know you're uh, captivated with season five of the crown, which just dropped on uh, November 9th, the day before your birthday. And, and as it turns out, my wife's birthday, you know, it, it's season five and I know you don't watch it. Jody watches it though, right? No. Oh, she doesn't. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of right up her, 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 alley though well the interesting thing is season five now starts around 1991 92 and as i said to my wife the other night we're almost through it uh, and we know princess diana's death is going to complete this season spoiler alert but i guess it's because we wait diana dies yeah i know (laughs) we we lived all of these events so we're not really seeing anything we didn't already know so uh, you know it, it it's still good but uh, it's not as good as the first four seasons just because right. a lot of that stuff while you know historically you know you know a lot but you didn't necessarily know all the well know. right it's like the the in the 90s you didn't have social media but the increase of just with television and and the media in since let's say 19 mid 50s you know increasingly with every year you know so diana probably more so than any other you know well not you know i'm just saying the people who were in the royal family were under way more scrutiny than you know any royals had been before sure and and she was a star among stars so uh and the interesting thing this was back at a time when my wife and i could actually stay up late uh, without falling asleep and we happened to be up at at like two in the morning when the news broke and i was too because i was at my brother-in-law's wedding oh okay wow so but uh the other thing that that i'm watching and i know i've mentioned this uh back on the uh, warrior nun uh drum beat but you know my wife and i again i we have a lot of running jokes and you know the other night it's like all right well the crown dropped so uh you know we can either watch the crown or you know we can check out the warrior nun and she's like all right like really i was just kidding (laughs) so you know put on you you were kidding but you were like "Ah, i'll float this idea one more time yeah so i put on season one episode one you know we watch it and i look over i'm like you know i give like the you know the hands up uh and she goes oh yeah episode two let's go 
So, um, I mean, again, I have a pretty good idea what my wife will like. And, and, you know, I mean, she can handle a certain amount of violence and action as long as there's strong character development. And, you know, there, there clearly, clearly is here. Now I will say we did take a detour. We haven't finished season one yet of warrior nun. She wanted to watch the crown. So we got one more episode to go and then, uh, yeah, we'll see where we go from there. But uh, what are you watching? So, I mean, we talked about Barbarians a little bit last week. I watched the finale a couple nights ago, and um, you know, it was it was great. Uh, I was I, I'm not going to say anything about it because you know I don't want to do any spoilers. But uh, you know, there there there's emotions involved for sure in, in that finale. And everything. Yeah, I think shocking ending would be yeah. a fair assessment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Titans has dropped a couple weeks ago on HBO Max. Love that show. Um, well, I shouldn't say love. Uh, I like it a lot. But, you know, just uh, from the Teen Titans, uh, Beast Boy, Nightwing, Starfire, uh, I can't remember the other, like Superboy. Anyway, um, like kind of like second tier of DC heroes, but uh, very successful in the cartoon comic book world and a pretty, pretty cool show. Sometimes gets a little angsty, a little too drama, but uh, still pretty, pretty cool show. Fun, clever, uh, definitely well-produced. So there you go. All right, let's get to the peripheral episode five of season one titled. What about Bob written by Jamie Chan directed by Vincenzo Natali released on November 11th, 2022. Uh, good right, episode. Before we, get, before we get started, Dave, I got to say something about the title. Okay. Because the title, there, I don't know, do you remember the movie? What oh, about yeah, Bob? yeah. Bill Murray, right? Yep. Okay. This is kind of a triggering thing for me. So in the trailers for What About Bob, before the movie came out, right, they show Bill Murray, like, you know, the whole thing is he plays this guy who's kind of like, really needy psychologically. Richard Dreyfuss is a psychiatrist. Bill Murray kind of not stalks him, but kind of like starts to take over his life. And he is kind of like a fairly innocent type character, right? But in the trailer of the movie, before I saw the movie, they really make Bill Murray out to look to be some kind of psychotic stalker. And there's one scene, he's presenting Richard Dreyfuss with a birthday cake, he says, blow out the candles. And he does. And then they show this explosion. The implication in the trailer being that somehow blowing out the candles has triggered some kind of detonation that has caused this huge explosion. So I go into the movie thinking that Bill Murray's character is this unhinged, psychotic stalker who is blowing up people's houses and stuff. And that was absolutely not the case yep but i couldn't sympathize with his character i couldn't really get or enjoy the movie the whole time because i was so the more bob kind of ingratiates himself with richard dreyfus's family the the more i i was getting pissed because i'm like this guy is he's he's the worst you know and it turns out he wasn't. He was like this nice guy. And it was actually kind of a funny movie, but I couldn't appreciate all of that because of the stupid trailer. I'm sorry. I know that went longer for something that doesn't have anything to do with it. I just had to get that off my chest. It's okay. been years. Well, our Bob here is trying to ingratiate himself into the Fisher family. Yeah. He, he just, kind of. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, in, in this episode, we, we learned the genesis of Alita West's break in of the research Institute, but you know, still we don't really have, a clear idea of what her purpose is. I mean, is it simply to prevent population control at the hands of the RI? I mean, she's pretty horrified when she sees what the research Institute is doing with those soldiers yeah. in the field. And I think she even says, well, you know, it, it, does Sharice plan to do this, you know, with us here? Would you believe me if I said no? Yeah, and and no, I wouldn't believe no, you. And, right, yeah. and, and so I, I guess for me at this point, I, I guess that's what I feel Alita West's really purpose is in doing all this, which is to prevent the Research Institute from 
population control because if you can control the soldiers, you can control everybody. And and it makes Orwell's 1984 look like a you know Sunday school story. Right. Well, that that's definitely a possibility. But also, we have to remember she is being paid at this point. Right, like we saw the the lead up to this in episode one or two, I think. I think episode two, where Wolf, you know, approaches her and says, "Hey, you know, just some some light kind of spy work. You know, it'll be fun. You know, give you something to do." So you know, that that's why there's this huge turnaround. Like when when Grace first approached her, apparently not too long ago, uh, when she first got the job at the RI, uh, Alita basically told her no on certain terms to, to f off. And now Alita suddenly has done like a complete uh, 180 and is now like trying to be friendly with her, trying to remember, bring up their past romance or whatever has gone on there. So we know that with the, the change that has happened has not been Alita having any kind of change of heart, but that she's been hired by Lev Zuboff to uh, break into the RI. Okay, so then what's Lev Zuboff's? You know, motive here. Well, he told us last episode, right? Money. Okay. So does he not understand the ramifications of this technology, how it, it, it can be used, you know, exponentially from the way it is now? I, I find it hard to believe he can't see that far into the future and, and that far ahead. So does he just not care? Is he, you know, one one of these businesses? Yeah, I think he nailed it there. Okay. And and then how much does Wilf know about everything that's going on? I get the the sense that he's not totally read into what's going on at the RI. I I agreed. Yeah, 100%. Okay. So that opening scene, you know, we we get some of Alita West's backstory that you, you just alluded to briefly. Uh, we're in London. We get this 10 minute extended scene that we're told is one year before Alita's disappearance. And and that's, you know, the meeting with grace and it's clear there's some tension here. It doesn't take us more than a moment to, to realize that, okay, these two were in a relationship that ended badly. We don't necessarily know who or how until Alita tells her you broke my fucking heart. So I guess that line, again, knowing what we know of Alita's purpose in arranging, and I'm making air quotes, this meeting, it's almost as if she knew that line about breaking her heart. That would be, you know, yeah. too much. Fine, I'll have a drink with you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, of course, they, they meet. Well, it's funny because when we saw Grace and, you know, we – saw Grace's demise uh, a couple episodes back, <clears throat> we felt like, uh, you know, Charisse was maybe overdoing it a little bit, you know, because, like, her contention that she really didn't tell her anything, it was just kind of basic stuff. Well, that was complete BS, man. We see her, like, she leaves her literally down into the, you know, the places she breaks into later, she leads her down there, introduces her to the lady whose eyes are going to steal later, um, shows her the the big secret thing, shows them what they're doing, basically explains the whole program, not all of it. We'd be less confused if she explained everything to her. Um, so she really, like, let her in down there. I mean, that was, like, really bad. Like, like you have to, you know, was Mariel, right, is the uh, the security lady. And I have to agree with her that that was like, wow, that was like super bad. And what's with the security in this place anyway? You know, it just seems like it's. Yeah, I guess. It's hard to break into. Well, it. yeah. Well, yeah, but they're not really breaking in. I mean, you're talking about this episode. I mean. A, well, both. You know, I mean, they just, they take Mariel's eyes and they can get in everywhere. Well, know? yeah, later on. But I, I'm, I'm saying at this point, I mean, Grace is fairly high up the the food chain and she's got the credentials to get into you know i guess one of the most highly secure floors in this building so now you could argue well okay that's fine that's her she shouldn't have 
Alita with her, which is, of course, what the the head of security there is is telling her. But but still, now now you know we'll, we'll get to the eye part in a minute. Um, even before we get to that, though, you know when they're having the drink, and she asks about Alita's dollhouse hobby, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like, okay, now is that like a metaphor for something else nope actual dollhouses and then of course i'm thinking like oh that diorama of the fisher compound twice actually we've seen it yeah so all right now that makes sense now we still don't necessarily know why alita has you know the fisher compound set up and 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 you know they talk about how it's it it speaking to alita's need for control after a childhood during which she had none so okay fine i i got it um now well i just because i think that's worth talking about because obviously that that was like the first shot of the the entire series yes they showed us the little figures and then of course we saw later flynn sees it uh when they uh, she goes back with wilf to alita's hideout or whatever there so it's obviously very important, and, and you're right. It shows here that Alita, this sense of control that she has, that she can, you know, she talks about them like they're dolls, but we know like the doll, the quote unquote dollhouse that she has back in her place is, you know, those are real. Now she, I guess she probably doesn't have it yet. Well, I guess she does, so right. Um, probably because you mean because this is there, a year before. Yeah, it's there before. Like she has the dollhouse before she, you know, contacts Flynn or I guess Burton actually. Right, right. Um. So anyway, uh, point being is that she, while she is playing with her, you know, quote unquote dollhouse. I mean, there are real people's lives that she is manipulating. Yeah. Now, you know, you mentioned uh, the fact that we learn a little bit more about what's going on at the Research Institute, but for the most part, we're still pretty much in the dark. Grace takes her to see the God font, which I guess is that inverted pyramid that we saw earlier. I, I mean, mm-hmm. what what is that? Is that just an know. information conduit, you know, that's hooked up to you know, servers and databases. I, I mean, I really don't know. That's sort of what she's implying. I mean, we do learn that not only are they manipulating the stub, you know, in, you know, Flynn and, and Burton's world, but that there are, I don't want to say an infinite number of stubs, but 8,000. Oh, that's right. She does say 8,000. Right. And if there are 8,000, there could be 16 and maybe there eventually will be. So, whatever i mean it it, does that provide connections to the stubs we don't really know at this point all we do know is it's pretty darn cool visually and but but still and then i don't know what's with all the kind of water you know that right in in that area but again whatever visually very 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 cool Uh so my question is is that burton's unit that we see yes and is that connor that gets blown up then yes now i'm saying yes not that i know that it is but yes that i thought the same thing yeah i totally think it is but of course if they have eight thousand stubs well there's going to be eight thousand connors eight thousand you know right necessarily the, the connor the burden that we know but you know i was the second time around i'm like really actually i think i've watched this one three times so I like, guess the third time around, I'm like really looking at their faces. It's tough to tell because it's kind of blurry when they're showing the soldiers. Uh, and plus they have helmets on and everything. So it's really difficult to tell. But, I, you know, I think it's telling that we see the guy after the dog explodes. We see the guy, you know, his looks like his arm and, and his legs are gone. Right. Um, so, I mean, I'm, it, certainly if it isn't Connor, actually, it's certainly meant to, you know, bring that to mind for sure. Right. Well, well, Grace tells her that they actively alter conditions in the stub. And I guess we have to then say in the stubs. So does that then mean that Connor doesn't lose his limbs in each encounter in various stubs? Right. Does, right. does sometimes he because shoot the dog? If they don't, as she says, goose their haptics. 
then they just shoot the dog. Right. Right. And Connor's fine. Right. right? And, and then, of course, we we learn how the military got the haptics in the first place. Now, we don't know how. Uh, you know, in, in the future, they get that information to the past, uh, you know, other than data I, transfer. Yeah. Well, right. But then how do they, you know, once they transfer the data, how does the military then not say, you know, WTF? Where yeah, this, wait, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, where'd this come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but f- for sure. Um, but, you know, another thing I think it brings up is, so we know that Burton and his friends they don't show it, but we know they feel a tremendous amount of guilt for what happened to Connor. They feel like it's their fault, but we find out here it wasn't their fault. You know, they, they were manipulated. Their brains were altered so that they did not shoot the dog. And that led to Connor getting blown up. If this is indeed Connor. All right. But then it then begs the question, uh, their guilt surrounding the fact that they had information that they didn't act on it's almost as if well we've lived this event in another parallel stub Mm -hmm. and we didn't warn connor that you know doing this is going to result in you losing your limbs so I'm not sure we know, like you said, that that they've been manipulated to act the way they're acting here. And, you know, in another stub, maybe, you know, like you said, they shoot the dog in, instead of trying to save it. But I'm still not really sure where their guilt comes from. And, and you know, maybe we'll never really learn. Maybe well, we I think will. just that the, they didn't shoot the dog, right? Okay. Like they were meant to, but then as, you know, Grace said that they, you know, messed with their haptics so that they, their compassion uh, took over and they didn't shoot the dog and then Connery gets blown up. Okay. That, which brings up another question because like um, Alita's like, tell them to stop. And Grace is like, it's already happened. Right. You know, it's like, well, wait, whoa, like, hold on, hold everything now. Uh, because we start thinking like that, then it's like, well. Don't they like now? I start saying with everything that's happening. Don't they already know the result of what's going on? Because if they can monitor the stub, you know they've been monitoring the stub up through twenty two oh one or twenty one oh one. So do they not already know what happens, right? Or I guess they can interfere and just create another stuff i don't know now it's starting well, to, well right now my brain's starting to get a little confused well and we know we have eight thousand stubs and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're experimenting with you know military applications in all eight thousand as she says we're you know working with meteorology we're working with biology and and you know so that so that you know each stub maybe isn't experimenting with each of these uh areas but but still this is where alita really has her eye-opening experience epiphany that that this is not right and again you know as you mentioned she's been hired by lev but not at this point right right i, I don't no, I think she has oh she has already so yeah. that's that's so I, why I think- Sorry, good. Well, she just doesn't know what she's going to find. Exactly. Once she I don't gets think there. Lev knows what she's going to find. Okay. So I think um, that's part of the point of it, and, and I think you know that's why we we see that there's been this really complete turnaround in her attitude towards Grace. You know, I mean, she wrote, she told her very nastily, and you know, up front, stay away from me. Wrote her a vitriolic note with some again some more colorful language in there reaffirming her desire for grace to stay the f away from her and now she's like all buddying up to grace like hey remember the good old days and everything and so what's the turnaround did she have some change of heart no she got hired by lev in the meantime she knows this is her best way in and grace is just foolish enough to to go for it right and you could use a scene to 
teach alliteration with, uh, you know, yes. instead of conniving bitch. Um, right. But then we get that great line, maybe my favorite line in the episode when Mariel, the security personnel, stops them and you know, Grace kind of takes control of the situation. They're walking away and, and nope, Alita's like, you know, you have extraordinary eyes. I'd kill for eyes like that. And I'm yep. thinking like, oh, nice. Yeah. In a gruesome kind of way. Yes. Um, she does have very nice eyes. Yes, she does. Now, the other storyline is this plan to take down the Fishers. And of course, we've got to wonder, and we've asked this before, how long can Burton keep Tommy in the dark do we trust Billy Ann to keep Jasper out of the loop? And, and you know, we get some great scenes with Billy Ann in this episode. I don't think we can keep Tommy out much longer. No. Billy Ann, as we've said, she seems to accept the whole traveling to the future relatively easily. I guess we could argue that it's 10 years in our future. So even though the vehicles all look the same, and we've talked about that, yeah, you know, the, the showrunner just figures, ah, they don't care. They, they yeah. you know, it's too expensive to right. create, you know, a fleet of futuristic cars. And what are, what are the sure. cars going to look like in 2032 anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that is certainly something to, to, to think about. So, you know, we see Flynn having that MRI done, and then we get the result from Dee Dee, who says she has some sort of like meningitis, uh, meningitis kind of like, like bacterial, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the occipital lobe, which is part of the brain involved in seeing, as we're told, because I certainly wouldn't have known that. But I would not have known. And then she gets the spinal tap, where where they're going to, you know, I guess ex- examine her. Yeah, uh, not great. Yeah, not great. Although it didn't apparently hurt. So I guess in 2032, a spinal tap doesn't hurt. I was pretty sure everything i've known about them uh leads me to think i don't want one yeah so right but you know it, it, again you wonder how long Dee Dee is going to you know fail to really follow up on right you know these medically bizarre things that just really don't make sense because she does seem as if she's a good doctor and you could argue, well, you know, small town, this and that. Their doctor's probably not all that great. Well, she seems pretty good, you know, and seems really devoted to her job. And, and you know, like we said, you know, last week, uh, you know, Burton, give me the number of that. I'm going to contact them, find out if there have been any studies done and, you know, really competent in her job. So I don't think she's going to take no and some vague answers for too much longer despite uh, burton's you know assessment that he'll just keep delaying right right and well yeah that absolutely and also if we think about tommy there's a couple of things here the first of all i had two thoughts about tommy i'm like two things are gonna happen here either they're gonna bring tommy in because you're right it's getting to a point where they just can't keep telling him that everything's all right you know like yeah. especially what's happened to him at the end of this so I figure either he's going to be brought into the inner circle or he's going to get killed. He's going to be like some innocent victim. And I was pretty sure that they were going the innocent victim route, but they didn't kill him. Yeah, he crawls out of the car. So right? And Bob tells him this, these people don't like leaving loose ends, but yet they just let Tommy go. So what that kind of says to me is that Tommy has a role to play in the future and it might not be great for the fishers yeah i mean i was certainly happy when he crawls out of the vehicle and and again 2032 i guess we could argue that vehicles look this is a big ass vehicle number one right it did take a pretty heavy impact but but still he's wearing a seat belt and and you know all that but but he makes a comment about burton that he looks like he was geared up like he was still in texas yeah so was this war that he and his buddies fought in in the u.s it sounds like it. yeah yeah so was it some sort of a civil war of of some kind i mean it's not as if we don't hear um you know 
part of our population talking about civil war right. if this or that doesn't happen. So, yeah. yeah, so that was, you know, that's one of those things that I, I think I missed it on the first watch, but it leapt out at me on the uh, the second yeah, watch. Yeah, I, I agreed. I don't think I really picked up on that very well on the first one. The second one, like, whoa, he just said Texas. Like, holy cow. Yeah. So uh, now we've mentioned Bob, obviously the title of the episode, what about Bob? And he is the assassin that's been hired. And, you know, he gets that phone call from a newly minted peripheral Daniel, which, uh, you know, was, was, was kind of cool. I was hoping they'd have, you know, Daniel, you know, it's just so disturbing though. Like, kind of fishbowl daniel they got going yeah so weird so uh i don't know i mean you know i have verizon for my wireless and and you know i get pretty good coverage but 2100 to 2032 okay um sign me Mm. up for whatever uh service that is um i guess they've hacked the phone network but that scene, you know, Fred mentions in his feedback about the violence of this episode. And, and yeah, th- there was certainly a lot of violence. And, and Bob at the bowling alley, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, number one, it's like, all right, y- you hired the right guy, number one, Sharice. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when he says these are not the kind of people that leave – you know things outstanding well on the one hand you know how does he really know that now he might suspect for the money they're paying mm-hmm. that that would be the expectation and he's obviously got enough experience as uh, a killer and a hitman so I, I i guess we just have to leave leave it at that but well also the original group that was sent to to kill um the, you know the fishers were told "Quote unquote scorched earth," right, right. So we can assume that Daniel. We didn't see it, but that Daniel gave the same instructions to Bob. Okay. Now, now let me ask you something about the scene in the bowling alley. And okay. again, you know, it was cool in a gruesome kind of a way. I mean, I get that it sets the tone for you know how good at his job Bob really is. And then we get the phone call to his daughter. It just felt like they spent a lot of time on those situations and those stories that we really don't need i mean i mean unless the thing with his daughter comes back in some meaningful way what was really the point of that phone call yeah so i don't know if we're going to see the daughter again but i think what the phone call does i don't mind it really because i think what they do is they have made Bob into a much more complex character. Okay. Than just the straight up bad guy who's just evil to the core, which he's pretty bad. He's pretty evil. But we also understand that this guy's a daughter. He's trying to protect his daughter. So, you know, what would you what would I do? What would anyone do to protect your kids? Right? Yeah. And, and if it means going I I don't know I would go and kill two people. I don't know. I I can pretty safely say I'm pretty sure I wouldn't do that. But I'm also not a you know I that, that's not in my wheelhouse really. Um, so you so, wouldn't do two people. Will you do one though? You know, if it were just one, and then maybe they made some proof to me as to like how bad. No, I'm okay. just kidding. I would, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I would I would botch it anyway. Yeah, but but his, I can't even kill a squirrel. You know, I was like had one lined up with my BB gun. Yeah, I just I couldn't pull the trigger. I just felt it was overwhelmed by guilt. So. Yeah, despite where we've uh, you know where you grew up and I live now, uh, you know we're not we're not hunters. Um, in, in fact, when I had jury duty that time, they one of the first questions they asked, uh, um, "Do you now or have you ever owned a gun?" It's like there were ten people out of about 150 that yeah. still sat down, um, <laughs> but. Um, it, you know, the, were you thinking, sweet, I am out of here? <laughs> well, it took me a while, but yeah. Um, so it, it, we get the idea his daughter is hiding from somebody. She's in, you know, whether an official witness protection program, we don't really know. But Or but she's certain- just hiding because so, you know, people don't try to get to Bob. By oh, right, her. right, right, right. So obviously they've got that whole couched language thing down down pat, which again didn't take long to uh, figure out. But then that leads up to the well, especially the, when she calls him dad. Like okay, right. you didn't have to do that. Right. 
we know. Right. right <laughs> we right, get it. Right. And what you know, when we see him stop his truck on that bridge and pop his hood, okay, we know what he's doing. He's setting up an ambush, which you know, in, in fact, is what he did. But but Billy Ann arrives first, and again, it's a great scene. It's just so Billy Ann, and it's you know so this small town community and and just the, this willingness to help a stranger and on the one hand i i really wasn't afraid that he was going to do her harm because she's such a great character and you well, know, right. still he this looks early genuinely distressed when she like he's like you know just like ah, no i just want you to go away like you know he doesn't want he understands that if she comes back he might have to kill her all right and and then the firefight ensues and he's about ready to get the upper hand and like you hear the shotgun cock and sure. now here's one that that i still don't get and and i get it from billy ann i definitely don't get it from burton and and you know burton and and flynn you know, basically talk about this real briefly in the car afterward the guy's clearly got a vest shoot him in the freaking head yeah I, I well, headshots are tough when, when people are moving, man. Yeah, but not for Burton. Come on. I mean, he's trained. And That's a good point. But still, he's got a handgun. Okay. It's not, it's not, it's not the easiest shot to make. Okay. okay. And and we get why Billy Ann, you know, doesn't do it because, you know, she's not a trained killer, you know, the, the way Burton, you know, really is. I mean, how you can't say otherwise. I mean, he was in the military. That's what they train you to do. Yes. And she tells him now. The next one is going in your head. And, and of course, I, I think at that point he believes her. And he's probably thinking, I should have let her look at my engine. Yeah. <laughs> probably, she, you know, whatever. Um, you, you know, Tommy comes up and tells her that despite not knowing what's going on, you know, he wants to protect her, Flynn, that is. And, you know, we know, you know, it's almost he's still got a crush on her. I mean, we know she's had one on him and, and has really never vocalized her feelings, apparently. So I, I guess we're to believe that he's going to marry somebody he is not really in love with. No, and... I don't think he's really in love with Dee. He okay. just shows he's admires. I don't know if it's love more than he just like admires Flynn for her. Okay how brave she is and how she's willing to stand up for. And also he's trying to get her to, you know, tell him what's going on. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I guess he's kind of, but I, you know, I was not crazy. If there's one scene in this episode, I wasn't crazy about it was that it just kind of struck like, I thought a wrong chord, I guess. Like it just didn't seem like at this point he would be waxing nostalgic about the first time that he ever saw her, you know, it just seems like, why are you bringing this up now, you know? Uh, unless it's one of these, you know, ideas where he thinks it will then get her to open up to him about what really is going on here, which you, we've already had that, you know, scene with uh, Grace and Alita, where that seems to have been Alita's purpose. And then when Flynn goes to 2100 to confront Wilf about what the hell's going on, why didn't you warn us? And then she says, you know, did you not blend? What the hell's the word? I can't even, uh, you know, did you merge with me so I'd start having no. feelings for you? Yeah. And he, of course, denies it. And I want to believe him, but I'm not sure I'm ready is, to believe uh, him. Yeah. Or is this Wolf or is this Wolf? Right, right. right. And and the stakes are pretty damn high. So, yes, they are. So it, it's not something I'm ready to accept yet, but of course, Flynn, it just seems like him pretending like he doesn't even know what she's talking about. Like BS dude, there's no, you know what she's talking about, dude, because uh, even, you know, Burton says it's just like a common experience, right? It happens with everybody. So, you know, definitely he knows what she's talking about. So him acting like, I don't know what what merging feelings. Right. What are you talking like? That's just crap, right? And, and then when Billy Ann's driving them home, and, and you know, uh, uh, 
she lets on, look, I know about the trips to the future and all that. But then what offends her is when Burton implies he doesn't trust Jasper with that knowledge. And I'm thinking like, okay, fine. You're defending your husband who you know, because you've made no bones about it. You know, he's an idiot. Yeah. So, and you let him know that you know that. Yeah. So and even with earlier, the, what he says, I'm not an idiot, Billion. And she just looks at him with this kind of pitying look. Like, and, and we're just nodding our head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we know. <laughs> so, okay. Um, and then the, they get home. It's like, where's mama? And they're frantically searching the house. They look out the window. Oh, F. <laughs> yeah. So we don't know whether she Mama knows sees dead people. Well, we don't know whether she knows there are dead bodies buried there, but she uh, she knows her lawn's sure been torn up. Okay, uh, we don't know what I don't know what's that guy's name, Nolan or something. Uh, I, forget, I forget what his name is, but yeah, yeah it doesn't matter. Um, so well, it doesn't well, it matter. Does it does to him. It does. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> um, but now they've got to explain to her about their trips to the future and. You know, on the one hand, you know, the evidence of the medicine that has essentially cured you. I mean, that's that's kind of some evidence that's going to give mom pause. All right. Maybe there is something to it. But then again, mom says, all right, well, what did you promise? You know, what what did they want in return? Well, nothing. Yeah. Mama's not dumb. Yeah. And what if they stop? I mean, she or she says, "What if I stop taking it?" Which I read to hear. What if they stop giving it to you? You know, what if right. they stop sending the prescriptions and pay for them to Pharma John? Then what? Then am I back to square one, and and I've got the tumor again? Right. And you know, along with that, she's you know, like, you know, what if you stop paying? Right. 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 Uh, Pickett. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of his first name. Or is that um, his first name? I can't remember. No, that's his last name. But, um, but, but it starts with Corbell. Corbell, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Corbell. Um, um, and, but, you know, solid points, both, right? Like, we are beholden to these people. And she points out, like, if, you know, that they probably know how desperate you are. So, you know, how they're, they're not afraid of you. And so they hold basically all the cards. Yeah. Now we were talking about Tommy and whether or not he's going to survive to continue to play a role and get read in and all this. And I'm thinking as I watch that scene where they're riding back to the station and he's got Bob handcuffed in the back seat and he's trying to get inside Tommy's head. And I'm thinking like, I can't believe you're driving this dude alone and I'm, I, I just keep waiting for Bob to you know, reveal that he's gotten out of the handcuffs, comes through. And we're, it's not really clear what barrier is between the front seat and the back seat. But I did not think anything good was going to come out of that. Now, of course, it, no. it doesn't, but it doesn't have anything to do with Bob. And I don't think Bob really knew you know, what the people that hired him were going to do to keep him in play so uh, we see them dragging his bob's body we don't know if bob survived i guess we have to assume well if uh, tommy survives then bob probably survives as well does bob survive to get a second chance you know you failed gloriously do i want to give you another chance or do i want to just eliminate you and go to option c well so there's a couple of things here because like, I, I mentioned before about, you know, Tommy and the, them leaving. And first of all, we don't know, actually, who I mean, we assume it's the bad guys, right? Because they have the invisible car. Right. But we don't know for sure who has just picked up Bob. Right. Whether they're Sharice's guys or not. Right. Exactly. Though, again, leaving Tommy alive when if they wanted to kill him, they, it seems like it's pretty could have been done pretty easily at that point. Um, and then the, 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 the discussion that they have, it's really kind of a one side discussion with Bob telling Tommy that he's basically, his fate is like at a fork in the road here, you know? So right. all this together starts, I think to point out that Tommy is going to play a pretty important part in what's going on. And that, 
you know, the, whoever has you know rescued Bob has a vested interest in you know keeping Tommy alive. Yeah, because as you just said, if these were Sharice's guys, why would they just not put a bullet through Tommy's head, right, and get rid of him as a loose end? So if they are again, we only know Sharice and Lev from the future. So if they're not Sharice's guys, then are they Lev's guys? I mean, you know, do Lev's guys have access to cloak cloaking technology? I guess they would. So why are they dragging Bob away if he's alive? You know what? I, I guess maybe, you know, maybe they want to just get him away from Tommy and away from that scene so that more questions aren't asked. And maybe they're going to dispose of him elsewhere. Right, but if they don't want more questions asked, then why are you leaving Tommy alive? Well, you're right. So, yeah, that's a good question. And then, of course, the the final scene when, you know, Flynn, you know, I don't even want to say ask. She pretty much demands that Wilf take her to face Sharice, which he tells her I think is a bad idea. Mm -hmm. And he tells her the story about the time he met Lev as a 12 year old. And, and this was a few episodes back when, you know, we, you know, had that discussion about whether or not Wilf has ever killed somebody. And, and, you know, he's wondering why I think it was Ash asks that question. And of course, now we know, well, Lev knows the answer to that. And not only has he killed somebody, he's killed at least you know, five people people, in in this instance alone. So we don't know what else has happened after that. But his message that you don't consider the weight of that kind of an action until after you've done it, and then it's too late. And while somebody like Burton and his uh, unit, they were trained to do those kinds of things. And, And you'd like to think that the military trains you at least somewhat emotionally to deal with things that you might have to do, you know, if you are in combat, but, but clearly Wilf as a 12 year old was not, you know, was not trained to deal with that. Yeah. And, and I love Flynn. She goes up to the desk um, and she just says, have I been scanned? Yes. Okay. That's all we need to know. Yeah. And then Sharice comes out. We're good. Yep. Uh, you know, a nice little, fight scene that that ends in Flynn yeah. snapping her neck even though uh she knows it's a peripheral and, and you know I think Fred mentions in his feedback was that a peripheral that we see earlier with uh with Sharice uh, you know when she meets with Lev right and I think she might even say now that I think about it, that that it is a peripheral but, she does. She okay, does right. admit that's peripheral. So, yeah. I mean that that opens up a ton of questions for me. The the pr- primarily is, as you said. So, what about those other times we saw her? Were those all peripherals as well? Was that like one reason why she's absolutely unconcerned at all about the bees going after Grace, but not herself? Yeah. You know? Right. Um, and then the other thing is that, I mean, I guess it opens up the possibility that Sharice is not actually existent in, you know, uh, 2101, okay. 2100, right? She could be piloting her peripheral from, you know, 2032, just like uh, Flynn is. Yeah, uh, good point. And yeah, at the risk of uh, bringing Westworld into the discussion, uh-huh. somebody you did uh, not me i know <laughs> somebody of grace's stature who the hell knows how many peripherals she even has right so yeah i think it's entirely likely that that we still have not seen uh sharice actual so i don't know flynn's last comment though to wilf after he snaps her neck is that i've got a foothold in Sharice's world. Now I'm not sure exactly what she means by that in, except that you, we've talked about part of Flynn's problem is that the beatings she takes when she's in her 2100 peripheral come back with her in 2032. 
So we'd have to assume the same thing happens to Sharice. So is the real Sharice somewhere like basically having her wounds tend to, um, is she going to uh, the chiropractor to have her uh, neck realigned? (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, like, you know, that's also kind of brings like, why does that end the peripheral, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. I mean, I mean, I guess, it, it probably cuts some sort of a neural connection that can then just be probably rebooted or, or, you know, fixed somehow. And they can, you know, reuse that peripheral since, yeah. you know, the body itself's not damaged, but, uh, all right. What else? So, well, I mean, she, she tells Flynn that you've absconded with some rather vital data. And this is kind of something we've been talking about, uh, you know, this whole time, like, why are they after Flynn, you know, and they think she's taken some when, you know, when Alita shoved her face into the, the God thing, right, whatever, that it, it seems like some kind of information got transferred there that even Flynn is not aware of. Right. So, you know, and, and uh, you know, Sharice tells her that you're either lying or expendable in your ignorance. So either way, you're, you're lying to me, or you'll know what's going on, and so therefore I can just kill you. So it's like, ah, you know, what do I do? What do I say to that? Well, right, and at least we we don't feel as bad that we're still confused as, as to what it is she saw that she wasn't supposed to see, or in this case, what she stole that she wasn't supposed to have, because she doesn't know either. Right. So if she doesn't know, why are we supposed to know? Now that's not always the case. I mean, uh, you know, hence dramatic irony. But yeah, still. But in this case, it makes me feel better about how confused I am. Yes, yes. Um, So uh, Flynn actually complains to Wilf, uh, you know, saying what you know what his what annoys her about him is that he like he's always like kind of like hiding in the corner, right? And it's like kind of like the same thing that Lev's wife had said to him uh, last episode. So okay, um, that's just something to kind of keep an eye on, I guess. Um, but yeah, that, that foothold in your world, that's actually just really quickly. You know, we know her thing is that she's really good at uncovering like video games, not uncovering, like figuring out video games, right? She's super good at that. So I think she's basically saying like, because, you know, like their their plan is to just keep pushing it and dying and pushing it and dying right. until they, they figure out what's going on. So by confronting Charisse, apparently, I think maybe she's figured something out that will, you know, help her to. Yep. to um, See, that's yeah. why we talk about this stuff, because now exactly right that her methodical approach to gaming is exactly what she's doing here. Yep. You yes. got it. Yep. Yep. Um, and also like, you know, speaking of games, you know, like how the people in, uh, you know, 2100, you know, Grace's kind of like dismissive attitude as they watch those soldiers, uh, that soldier get blown up, you know, that it's Alita who says they're actually people. She's like, ah, it's already happened. You know, like they're not. This is a theme that's been brought up a lot, like that the the two different realities seem unreal to each other, and the you know, the 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 one and the other both think that like, well, that's not that's not my world, so you know, I don't care what happens to it, right? But yet, when we see Alita in the very first episode, right, Wolf is she's like, well, I have to save the world, and Wolf is like. I thought you said that this world couldn't be saved. She's like, I'm not talking about this world. So, you know, I, I guess there's that kind of those two sides of, of, of this issue here, right? There's the um, that Alita is that person who seems to I don't care who you are, where you are. There's there's people out there. We got to try and save people. And the R.I. is obviously killing people. Right. So is not it- in their world. But in these other stubs, but Alita, unlike you know pretty much everyone else in 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 twenty one hundred, sees the stubs as being comprised of actual human beings, which 
we know they are. It's just that uh, Sharice and the RI doesn't see it that way. Right. They're poults, right? Yep. yep. Not real people. Um, I think that might be all I got there, Dave. Okay. Um, all right. Well, why don't we hear what Fred's got for us in listener feedback this week, and we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for The Fairy Feral, Season 1, Episode 5. Okay, let's start with the grade before I forget that again. It will be a A-minus again, so the strain of A-minuses continues. Although this, as you can imagine, and you know me a little bit by now, found this episode too violent, actually. And I got a high dose of violence this week because also the 10th episode of Endor was quite a violent episode. I'm not saying anything more because I don't want to give spoilers to anybody. And talking about other series in the sense of what am I watching, I started as Dave. Warrior Nun Season 2. I love seeing Alba Batista there as the lead actress. I always have something kind of, I don't know, refreshing or something like that when I watch her. Really nice in some way. And last remark on other series. Great, Wayne, that you watched Strange New Worlds. I really liked it. And I fully agree with you on everything you said about Anson Mount. So, Captain Pike. Okay, let's go into the peripheral episode 5. So this whole Bob thing was quite intense. The way he got under pressure, the way he behaved, the way he was very cool, especially when he came out of this bowling alley and one of those wounded guys came out and he said, oh no, he just did his job, kind of, but in a very awful way. Even talking to his daughter in this hidden way of speaking, but... Now, you saw that they both were very emotional on the other hand as well. So I can't say anything else that this actor played this very well. His name is Ned Dennehy and originally a Irish actor. And his pockmarked face really fits his role. Another compliment is for the actress Adeline Horan who plays Billy Ann Baker. Really, really so funny and also, yeah, good. How she handles Jasper and how she acted on the bridge. A bit unlikely is there that she wanted to help the guy and then when he refused, she, stubborn as she is, went back. And that was a bit over the top, I think. But perhaps she is in her nature a more helpful person than I am. I'm more like, I offer help and try again. And if people then really say, no, thank you, then just leave it. They don't want it. Okay. But okay, on the other side, it was perhaps her competition setting with other mechanics. Or to save the honor of women in technical professions. Although I didn't get completely what she does for her job because she accepted a job and on that app on her phone. But I... Didn't understand what it actually was. It was kind of cleaning or something like that. It was called clean weep or whatever. Okay, and then we have more violence between Flynn and Cherise. And of course Cherise is safely enough in a peripheral as well. But she still got her neck twisted. It was a nice choreography though. If Cherise has such a perfect peripheral, I really wonder what we have seen in the previous four episodes. Was that also the peripheral? Or was she that sometimes really herself? So, for instance, when she went to Lev Subov. That's, of course, a risky visit. With the pre-opening credits scene, I still have a little difficulty. Uh, It's of course clear that Grace showed Alita the whole facility and its purpose. But the talk about Stubb, the Stubb, I had the idea that Stubbs were all kinds of alternative timelines, plural. Though I still not fully get that concept. Although I did rewatch recently episode 2 and 3, 
which made me understand episode 4 more clearly. But perhaps I have to rewatch episode 4 as well to understand the beginning of this fifth episode. So it remains a little bit a difficult series for me to fully understand, but, well, fully is not necessary. And if it would be too annoying and too much, I wouldn't give an A-. minus. Okay, that will be all for this time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Well, as usual, we've talked about most of the things Fred brings up. The only thing I want to talk about, he mentions Billy Ann, and I agree, Fred, with your assessment about Billy Ann's character, how she handles Jasper. You know, as we said, she knows he's an idiot, but she loves him. He loves her. And and it's, it's a difficult situation given who his uncle is and the fact that his uncle, by all accounts, raised him uh, from, you yeah. know, his... You know, and she definitely would not be the first woman to see, view her husband as a complete idiot. Yeah. Um, there's one downstairs right now. No, yeah, I think I'm there's kidding. one upstairs for me. Right <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> now, if we could just do something, I know this is petty. If, if we could just do something about Billy Ann's haircut. I don't you know. I kind of like it. <sighs> okay. I like how she gets up in the morning. She just kind of like teases a little bit. And she's good to go. All right. Anyway. I like it. It's a very functional haircut. But um, – you know, there's one thing, and 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 probably every as uh, in the first episode of Chrisser for Eccleson's uh, Doctor Who, where every place has a north, right? She's like, "Why are you for the north?" They're like every place has a north, every place has a south. And in the United States, we have this thing called Southern hospitality that I know sometimes it can be you know put onto a uh, you know like a television show and it's a cliche and everything. But it's, I think it's a pretty real thing, especially, well, not just in the South, but in any small town, probably in any country, but certainly in America, uh, small towns, people are, tend to be pretty friendly and helpful. And I did not find Billy Ann's desire to help out Bob to be unrealistic. I oh, me either. I've totally seen that uh, before, especially in smaller towns. And, uh, you know, like... I. There's one thing, if you, you go to the south of the United States, you'll notice the people there are very friendly, very kind, uh, willing to help. But, uh, you know, as, I think there's also, there's, 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 there's stuff underneath of that uh, uh, sometimes. Not for every person, but I think there's also sometimes there, there's a little something underneath it. But for Billy Ann, it's just genuinely desired to help out, a uh, person in need, going to help him out. And um, I know in our cynical world sometimes, we don't think there's people out there like that, but there's people out there like well, that. Well, the other thing I like about it is the pride that she has in knowing that she breaks the stereotype of, you know, quote unquote, the typical female that not only do I know my way around a car, as it turns out, Bob, I know my way around a shotgun as well. Yep. And, and, you know, when she pulls away and then you see her stop, on the one hand, we're thinking, oh, God, just keep driving. But but it's like she can't let it go. It's like this personal challenge that she, that she just can't walk away from this. And I just love that about her. Well, yeah, she's ready to go. But you know, you know, she's thinking that you know, if I if I leave him there, he's going to get screwed over by I can't remember the name of the mechanic. yeah right me either. So she's like, I just can't let that. Happen. It's probably something easy I can fix easily for him. He won't get charged hundreds of dollars. Uh, by this guy who knows he's, he's he's you know got this guy over a barrel, so yeah, and, and ultimately that's yeah. You know, well, again, it's it's good that she was there because if Billy Ann weren't there, I mean, Bob, we assume Bob is going to be successful. Yeah, I guess that he's gonna he's gonna be able to kill. He's gonna get the drop on Burton and uh, and Flynn. And he's and he's gonna be able to kill him. Okay. Well, I guess I didn't think that. Okay. Um, I mean, you thought that that the two main characters were going to get killed? No, no, no. I'm saying oh. if if Billy Ann had not been there. Oh, okay. I got you. I that got you. would have happened. You know, but, I got you. you. Know, I, I mean, no, I didn't think at any point they were going to actually get killed. Um, though I, I, you know, I do like you know Flynn's like shoot him. Like, yeah, I was just going to say. Like, yeah, Burton, come on, freaking shoot him, man! Just telling you, like, when when is your sister? Told you to shoot another human being. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, never. Right. How do you not react immediately to that? Right. You know? Because on the surface, you, you you might think, well, 
come on. And he's going to ask why, but no, no, no. There's enough in their world and their history that, no, don't even question. Just do what she told you. At this point, you should not even question. So, So, uh, all right. Well, Fred gives this one an A minus. I think you're going to be shocked by by my grade. Okay. And it definitely has to do with the fact, as we've said innumerable times, talking about this episode makes me see it in a different light. Yeah, I don't want to give it an A plus, but it's for me, it's a solid A. Yep. Same. Okay. And the fight scenes. I thought scenes, it was a fabulous episode. Yeah. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, like I said, I watched it three times. It was every time. I didn't even mind taking notes on this one this time. You know, and, and sometimes fight scenes can appear in, you know, well-crafted shows, but they don't really play that much into the storyline. Not so here. You know, especially as we were talking about when Flynn goes to meet Sharice. And, and as you said, now she's got a foothold in and, and I didn't pick up on it. I'm, again, I'm glad we were talking about it, that that goes back to her methodical approach to defeating a game. And she sees this as a game, which in a sense it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway. All right. What are you giving it? Solid A? Hey. Yep. All right. Good. So, uh, all right, Fred, thank you for your feedback. Um, you know, always love hearing from you and the bells occasionally as well. Yeah. Love the bells. Yep. So, uh, all right. You want to leave it there? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. Well, that will do it for this episode of sci-fi TV rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about the peripheral, anything going on in your genre TV world. Check out the Facebook group. If you haven't already, sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us we'll be back next week to talk about episode six of the peripheral but until then you know dave in a little less than a week from now the ravens are going to be off of a big break they're going to have roquan smith they have marcus williams back they might even have david ajabo and tyus bowser back and you know what dave i think this defense that has been spotty at times, I think it would crush your little mind.